bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. It's October 26th, and I'm Paul Dragu. It's been an absolutely wild news cycle, so hold on to your armrests because there's a lot to discuss. Last night, a lunatic went on a shooting spree in Lewiston, Maine. Reports say that as many as 22 may have been killed and up to 60 injured. Also, after three weeks of drama in the House of Representatives, Republicans have voted in a new speaker, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. We'll look at Johnson's voting record. And calls to get the UN out of the US just got a little louder, thanks in part to a voice from all places, Fox News. But first, yesterday, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa revealed that more than 40 FBI informants have given criminal information about the Biden family to the FBI, and the Justice Department's response has been to discredit it as foreign disinformation. In a letter that Grassley sent to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray on Tuesday, he said that multiple Justice Department whistleblowers indicate that there is and has been and an effort by certain Justice Department and FBI officials to delay and stop investigations into the Biden family. Grassley added, this alleged political infection breaks faith with the American people and it will ruin our governmental institutions should it continue. Join me to discuss today's stories is editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit, and John Birch Society researcher, Peter Rykowski. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Hi. you, it's great to be on. So, Peter, give us the skinny here. What are the key elements in Grassley's bombshell revelations? Yes, as you mentioned, the FBI, uh, according to this letter, they've had over 40 confidential informants uh, informing the FBI about potential crimes that the Biden family has been committing, uh, which include bribery, uh, money laundering, and then also illegal ties to uh, businesses connected to the communist Chinese government. Now, this letter that Chuck Grassley wrote, uh, it, it actually focuses in on one particular investigation uh, that is into Burisma, mm -hmm. uh, the Ukrainian company that Hunter Biden was on the board of. And it's alleged that uh, this company, it gave Joe Biden and also Hunter Biden $5 million each in bribe money in order to uh, pressure the Ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor investigating that company yeah. uh, because of firing that prosecutor would allow that company to uh, extend into the U.S. oil and gas market. But according to Grassley's letter, uh, the FBI and the DOJ sought to shut down this investigation and they were falsely alleging that it was simply uh, foreign disinformation. They tried to allege that the informants were uh, simply spreading this information from foreign governments uh, and their own informants right their own informants all 40 of them so they so that's what they tried to do and then also uh, Democrats in Congress they pressured uh, the FBI to give Senator Grassley and also Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin a briefing about the investigation but they the briefing was very slanted in the in a way that basically went along with this foreign disinformation theory, mm -hmm. which was ridiculous. But this briefing was leaked to the media, so the media began parroting this false narrative from officials in the FBI and DOJ that it, this was simply foreign disinformation. Yeah, now, like the laptop was, right? <laughs> yeah, 
So, but, but the letter goes even further than that. Not only was the FBI and DOJ trying to shut down this investigation, falsely alleging that it was simply uh, disinformation, that, that there mm -hmm. was nothing to it, but the investigators themselves actually corroborated a lot of the uh, allegations made. Uh, for example, that Joe Biden was aware of Hunter's business dealings. Uh, they corroborated some of the travel details and the allegations. And one, one set of investigators from the U.S. Attorney's Office from Pennsylvania and New York, they reviewed the allegations and found no evidence of any foreign uh, meddling or foreign disinformation mm. schemes in it. So according to this letter, there, there's very strong basis for the allegations against Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and then also Joe Biden's brother, James Biden. Uh, and this has been happening at least since 2016, well before Biden became president. How much of this have we heard, Gary? And at what point, <laughs> what point does the tide turn, man? I think it already has turned, or maybe I should say it would have already turned if we had a, uh, a media that was interested in being uh, a watchdog for uh, the American people. Right. Uh, Peter brought up a good as point. As opposed to being a, a lapdog for the administration and for the powers that be. And that's what it sounds like what happened. That's based on what Peter described right. here in the letter, mm -hmm. is that they're leaking this uh, this information and then the media is, is running for it. What do you guys think? Does it sound like the FBI is an organization kind of at war within itself? Because we keep hearing news or, or semblance of news indicating that there's elements within the FBI who are, well, we've seen, we've seen whistleblowers from the FBI blow the whistle on the FBI. And it also sounds, I bet you some of those informants are bona fide agents and whatnot. And, and so uh, it's interesting how this is all shaping out. What is Grassley's uh, view, or I guess, narrative? How is he approaching this? He's, it sounds like he believes what these informants are alleging, huh? Yeah, according to this letter and according to what Grassley is saying, there's some strong evidence for these allegations. As he noted, uh, some of the agents actually doing the investigation found that there was strong evidence that these allegations were valid. Mm -hmm. uh, but, it's, but, but as he alleged, some of these officials, particularly those based at the FBI and DOJ's headquarters in D.C., we're trying to shut this down despite all the evidence that they were gathering. Yeah. And also I'll point out that the DOJ actually prevented the investigators from having full investigative authority over this investigation. So for example, they prevented the investigators from starting a grand jury investigation, which would have allowed the investigation to go a lot further and do a lot more in terms of uh, simply finding out what, what was going on and getting into the details. Uh, but they, they prevented that from happening, so the investigation could only go so far. So yeah. it's actually quite amazing that they found as much as they did, Given. despite the DOJ's efforts to hamper the investigation. Yeah, I mean, from my perusal, one thing I also noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the DOJ also dragged their feet when the FBI or the informants or agents, I, I don't know which, brought some of this stuff to their attention or asked for further uh, whether it be documentation or uh, to move along. They dragged their feet. Is, is that correct? Right, yeah. The DOJ uh, prevented, uh, they refused to give out all the information that was requested, mm -hmm. both to the investigators, then also Johnson and Grassley, who were yeah. doing their own investigations. So they, were, they definitely were dragging their feet on this. Gary, is this the devious uh, deep state at work? Oh, I, I think absolutely. You mentioned earlier, Paul, that it seems like the 
FBI has an internal war, that it's at war with itself. And I think that's true not only of the FBI, but it's true of other government agencies as well. Like the CIA? Uh, obviously, there are many, uh, yes, including the CIA. Obviously, there are many good uh, government employees, but the problem is the fix is in at the top. So uh, among the rank and file, you, you have people who still believe in America. Mm. Uh, they're still patriotic in the true sense of the word in terms of loyalty, not to the regime in power, but uh, loyalty to, to the country. But at the top, uh, it is totally uh, corrupt. Uh, and so you have people at the top stepping in to prevent the, yank, the rank and file from uh, following their, their oath of office. Well, to, to follow the Constitution. And this is, been, this is the way, because we have lots of documentation of how mm -hmm. the Soviets worked. This is how they worked. They would infiltrate U.S. agencies. And it's not like there would be a bunch of US, uh, Soviet agents. There would be, it's, it's the positions they have. Exactly. And this reminds me of what Douglas McGregor said to Tucker Carlson earlier mm -hmm. this week, because Carlson asked him, if, He's like, is there anyone uh, in the U.S. military who realizes the trouble we're about to get into, speaking about, you know, starting wars over there? And McGregor's response was, yes, but they're low-level people. Right. No one's listening to them. Right, and of course, he's retired military. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's mm -hmm. a good point. So this this seems to be how the corruption is, is happening. But if it were for these people within there who are bl blowing the whistle, we probably wouldn't know any of this, and there'd probably be no hope for these agencies. And so. that's true. And obviously, these people who are blowing the whistle they're exhibiting great courage yeah because they're putting their jobs on the line their livelihoods on the line yeah and we saw that earlier testimony th this year uh we're going to keep a lookout on this thank you peter for looking at that thank you gary up next we're going to look at the murder spree in maine sophia paused before the door it read department of biodigital convergence just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. She entered the chamber and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, welcome to the singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it, but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future as illuminated by the experience of the past in Endgame. The new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset Collector's issue of The New American Magazine and get free shipping plus an additional 20% off both with code N20, E-N-D-2-0. What are they got? Good shooter, I'm Allison Way at the bowling place. Gonna be a male, black hair with a hoodie, look like a rifle. He said white male with a shirt ran out the back with a beard and a rifle. Seven so County Diverter, our units to Schmengi. Schmengi's right now, another active shooter there. Seven, I don't know if any description has been given out for the Schmengi's one, but again, a black sweatshirt, male with black sweatshirt, last seen headed toward the treatment plant. That's all she could tell me. 
Seven County got multiple victims. I think multiple victims. I need every unit you can find. County communications to all county rescue. Stand by for activation. Multiple victims for an active shooter in the town of Lewiston. So we have two separate active shooter incidents. First one will be at spare time. Second one, Smengies, that's where all the ASO units are. That was scanner audio of law enforcement chatter last night in Lewiston, Maine, where a maniac went on a killing spree. Lewiston is a city of about 35,000 people. The suspect shot tens of people and killed as many as 22, according to some reports. Reports also say there were multiple shooting locations, including a local restaurant and a bowling alley. As of Thursday afternoon, police are looking for a 40-year-old man named Robert Card. According to reports, he's a retired military officer and he was a firearms instructor. Card was also committed to a mental health facility for two weeks this summer. He had reported hearing voices and threats to shoot up a military base. Reports say he's also had problems with the law. He's been arrested multiple times for domestic violence and other offenses. One of his ex-wives got a restraining order against him. All right, folks, I'm going to go back to my, my, my team here. Um, I guess we can expect the floodgates of calls for gun control uh, to open wide. I don't know if that I've seen any yet. Uh, there's a lot of ambiguity about this, this gentleman, including I, I think someone has already begun looking into his political uh, history and whatnot. One outlet reported that he may have voted for Obama uh, a couple of times, so I don't know if that'll that'll play uh, any role. Um, what do you think, Gary? Well, unquestionably, the major media is going to exploit this terrible tragedy uh, in order to try to take away the uh, the guns of the American people. Yeah, uh, they have in the past. Why would they not do so in the future? And my first thought, because when you look at the, the number of people killed, you're you're talking about a horrific number up to 22 people killed, uh, is how, much, how many more people would be killed if we were to use tragedies such as this in order to completely empower the state, to completely disarm the American people and to give the state, to give the government a monopoly of power. And uh, think of regimes such as Nazi Germany. Uh, and what happened to the Jewish people, for example, uh, uh, in Nazi Germany, who was designed, uh, who, excuse me, who were disarmed. Yeah. Or what happened, uh, let's say, under Stalinism. Or what happened two weeks ago in Israel. Uh, exactly, because Israel uh, actually, uh, in recent years, have been moving away from yeah. uh, an armed uh, populace. Uh, uh, we're surprised uh, a lot of us when we found out about that. But the thing is, when the state has absolute control, and when the state has a monopoly of power, Millions upon millions of people die. And that's what history shows. And that's just the 20th century. I came from one of those regimes where the people were disarmed and there was mass terror for decades in Romania, under which was basically a Soviet vassal state. Um, and of course, we've been reporting on everything that's happening, whether in Israel and the Middle East, but also on the threats that this might pose to us here in the homeland. Yesterday, we reported on what, again, retired uh, Colonel McGregor said, how Hezbollah and Hamas apparently has a pretty robust presence in Mexico, where we happen to have a non-border right. there. Uh, now, of course, 
what's at the heart of this, Peter? And I know you know. <laughs> By the way, we did not rehearse this before, but what's at the heart of this? What's happening here? What do you think? Well, the left, their, their ultimate goal, as Gary alluded to, is full, full civilian disarmament and full empowerment of the government yeah. over, over all people. Uh, they're, they're not going to stop until that happens. And even just in the last few years, we've seen examples mm. in New Zealand, in Australia, you know, in Serbia, just in the past year where the government takes a mass shooting and then uses it as an excuse to uh, fully disarm the, uh, the population. And you know, it comes from uh, their, their ideology that all rights and right, that rights come from government and not from, uh, from God. And yeah. uh, right. they're, they're trying to implement that uh, government-centered ideology upon people. Yeah, and we've been warning about this for for many many years. And tomorrow's episode, we're gonna we're gonna discuss the police state type. But there is an interesting um, there's an interesting segment from this issue from '94 where the author cites the Spanish philosopher uh, Juan Donoso Cortez, and here's what he says: that he says there are only two possible forms of control, one internal and the other external. And he's talking about religious control and political control. And he says, when we as a people, this religious control upon ourselves, our, our, our adherence to our faith wanes, what happens is uh, the, poli- the, the state power increases. So there's going to be only two ways out of this, I, I, as we see it, is we either get back to as a populace having faith, believing, because I think it's one thing to see human beings as a cosmic uh, explosion, an accident, you're just atoms or whatever, and it's quite another thing to see human beings as the creation of God, the creation of the universe, because now they have value. What, what do you guys think? You think I think this is what's happening here. The evil, the and we haven't even touched on the mental illness, which has skyrocketed in years as religious adherence has plummeted. What do you think, Gary? Well, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, I, I think uh, to say that it's possible to have a free people without morality, we might as well say it's possible to have dry water. It doesn't make any sense. If we are going to maintain our freedom, we have to have morality. And morality is not possible without religion and without fundamental truths. Yeah. And, and, and so we have to get, uh, get, get back to that. We have to get back to God. Yeah. And what, Peter, well, when we know that we're accountable to God as opposed to having no God and, you know, there's no accountability, that, that imposes upon us, yeah. we, you know, a, you know, controls on our behavior and how we act. Yeah. And because of that, that, that leads to a limited government. Government officials know that they're accountable to God and that they're not at the top mm-hmm. of everything. Uh, They know that our rights don't come from them, which I don't think a lot of these people know. And now, again, we mentioned, uh, you know, there's there's reports now uh, of all sorts of numbers as far as mental health uh, increasing. I believe these these are all related because, again, when you don't have a relationship with God, there's a void, whether you know it or not. There is a massive void when you don't understand where you come from. You don't understand why you were made and by whom you were made. And so now we have record level isolation. We have record level uh, use of psychotics. Apparently we have record level mental illness. And I would say that's probably accurate because look, the world is gone insane. You know, we, we, do, the, we do the news and things like that. But I mean, civic engagement has gone down. Religious engagement has gone down. But isolation and drug use has increased. What do you think, Gary? 
Well, I, I agree, but uh, regarding mental illness, and I do think there's more of it, it's also a double-edged sword because it's very easy for mm. a would-be totalitarian to claim, yes. okay, you are mentally ill, Paul. Give us your you guns. You are mentally ill, Peter, and therefore uh, you can no longer continue with your right to keep and bear arms. We That's a good take, point, uh, because who hasn't right. been depressed and, and before? And look, look what Hillary Clinton said recently. I mean, didn't she talk about all these people uh, who support uh, Trump, uh, yeah. all the MAGA people is being brainwashed? And Hillary Clinton, of course, uh, says, well, we have to deprogram, deprogram them. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't she love to take away the guns from all the MAGA people? Yeah, yeah. All right, Peter, we got a few seconds. You want to add anything to that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's very clear what the left is aiming for. They want full power. And when, when our right to keep and bear arms is taken away, we're fully dependent on the government. Uh, but... Back to, back to morality, the Founding Fathers, they recognized the importance of morality. I'd add, you know, John Adams, this Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. So it's yeah. so important that we get back to that and that we defend our, you know, God-given right of self-defense from, mm. you know, these people who seek to impose totalitarian control over us. Yeah, I think we all agree what we're seeing is the result of failing faith in our nation. Thanks, guys. Folks, be sure to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And if you don't have one already, you can get a subscription to the print edition of the New American Magazine. The New American offers in-depth coverage and analysis you will not find anywhere else. You can subscribe at thenewamerican.com or by calling our office 800-727-8783. After this, we break down the new House Speaker's voting record. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration, Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control. Immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash outofcontrol. Welcome back. After three weeks of drama, the House of Representatives finally has a new speaker. It's Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. To my colleagues, I, I want to thank you all for the trust that you have instilled in me to lead us in this historic and unprecedented moment that we're in. The challenge before us is great, but the time for action is now, and I will not let you down. I want to say to the American people, on behalf of all of us here, we hear you. We know the challenges you're facing. We, we know that, uh, that there's a lot going on in our country, domestically and abroad, and we are ready to get to work again to solve those problems, and we will. Our mission here is to serve you well, to restore the people's faith in this house, in this great and essential institution. The House can now get back to business on appropriations, investigations into the Biden crime family, the catastrophe on our southern border, and the growing menace of a possible world war. 
Congressman Matt Gates, who led the campaign to oust former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, told Steve Bannon yesterday that much of the turmoil over the last three weeks was actually orchestrated behind the scenes by the ex-Speaker himself. McCarthy's ultimate goal, apparently, was to get the gavel back. But once McCarthy's scheme was exposed, the House GOP quickly and unanimously voted Johnson as their new speaker. So what do we actually know about Johnson? Well, Mike Johnson is a lawyer and constitutional scholar. We combed through Johnson's voting record and we found a consistent weakness for interventionist foreign policy. He's voted more than once to continue funding the U.S. occupation of Syria and he has either voted in favor of or avoided voting on more than one House resolution supporting NATO. He even voted in June 2021 in favor of H.R. 567, which would allow the Secretary of State to establish the Trans-Sahara Counterterrorism Partnership Program. This program created a new entangling alliance with a number of Saharan countries to share intelligence on terrorism, to secure the borders of those countries, and even provide social services all in the name of combating global terrorism. And there are a few other votes that may or may not be indicative of deeper rhino leanings, including his vote in 2021 to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. In general, though, Johnson has been solid on social issues like abortion, and he's been pretty outward about his faith. Johnson has also been a staunch Trump supporter and Trump a Johnson supporter. The liberal mainstream media knows this, which is why at Johnson's first public appearance as speaker, an ABC reporter started her questioning by asking him about his supposed effort to overturn the 2020 election result. The caucus was in no mood for gotcha journalism, so it laughed the reporter down. As to what Johnson is likely to do as Speaker, we hope that GOP commitments to follow the Biden investigation wherever it may lead, to force the Biden administration to control the border, and to impose fiscal discipline on the appropriations process will all now move forward. Here's what Johnson said about the investigation into the Biden family earlier this year. Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution itself expressly states that the sole power of impeachment belongs here to this House. And then Article 2, Section 4 says, listen to the language carefully. It's expressly written in the Constitution. This is not political talking points. We're not making this up. It says in Article 2, Section 4, that the president shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. My friends, I just listed just a small sampling, just the tip of the iceberg of, of the credible allegations and the mounting evidence that shows that Joseph Biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay-to-play schemes. This is what the evidence shows. We have to follow it. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution requires this action. All right, Gary. So my first question for you is going to be, what did Johnson actually believe as far as the 2020 election? He believed that there were tremendous voting irregularities mm. that uh, required uh, things to be stopped in terms of just going ahead and making Biden president. Mm. And, so he's an uh, election denier, huh? Uh, that's right. According to the media, he is, quote, an election denier, yeah. close quote. But uh, I, I brought with me, because I knew we would be discussing this, a copy of an amicus brief that... Uh, 
uh, that Congressman Mike Johnson mm -hmm. submitted to the U.S. Supreme Court in support of a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas. Oh, with Kim Paxton. Uh, basically sa saying that the um, that the, the election was stolen, looking at four battleground states. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Representative Mike Johnson not only submitted this, this mm -hmm. uh, amicus brief, but he also was able to gain the support of 125 fellow congressmen who signed on to this brief. Yeah. And what is interesting is who some of those congressmen are. Now, of course, because uh, he is the one who, uh, who organized this, uh, Mike Johnson is the first name that appears on this brief. Yeah. The third name that appears on this brief is Congressman Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> the, uh, the former Speaker of the House. That is so interesting because yeah, they never that, bring that I up. I know, with that, him. that is never mentioned. The next person who appears on this brief is Steve Cal uh, Scalise. Steve Scalise. Yes, uh, who also was uh, considered for Speaker of the House. Good, fine. Uh, and then uh, the fifth name that appears on this brief yeah. is Congressman Jim Jordan, who also was considered for Speaker of the House. Yeah, but he was considered far right. Yeah, and he's they considered far right, so they, they don't mind calling him an election denier. Yeah. They do not mind calling Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, an election, an election denier. Uh, but they're sure not going to apply that label to Kevin McCarthy or Steve Scalise. So I think that is uh, that is very uh, that is interesting, really interesting. Gary. Now, I just want to uh, read a little bit uh, from this amicus brief that was put forward by uh, these 126 congressmen altogether. Uh, it says here that the framers of the United States Constitution provided that presidential electors be appointed in a manner directed by the state legislators. Yeah. But did that happen? Well, not according to this amicus brief. Mm -hmm. It says, however, in the months before the 2020 election, those rules were deliberately changed by both state and non-state actors. Yes. The clear authority of those state legislatures to determine the rules for appointing electors were usurped at various times by governors, secretaries of state, election officials, state courts, federal courts, and private parties. Yeah. And, and this brief, Paul, goes on to say that these usurpations cause unconstitutional ballots to be cast in the battleground states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Uh, 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 Gary, I want to move on, though, because sure. uh, what is, do you know anything about this uh, skullduggery of, of McCarthy behind the scenes? Did you, did you uh, get any more information on that? Well, I took a look at that. I, I took a look at what uh, Matt Gates has, has to say. What he said to And uh, it, it's, uh, I think, very compelling because what he's saying is, is that the McCarthy people, uh, the ones who wanted to uh, mm. put McCarthy back in, were claiming that they could come up with 100 votes. Uh, in the Republican conf conference on support of McCarthy, and they had a secret ballot, yeah. and uh, they did not get 100, they, uh, they got 43. Yeah. Uh, but then there was uh, uh, a motion to make this not a secret ballot, so everyone uh, at the conference can see how everyone voted, and McCarthy protested that. He did not want to do that, mm. because he did not want that, that to be known. Uh, but then that did come about. They had a ballot that was not secret. And you know how many votes McCarthy got at that point? No. Zero. He got zero votes. <laughs> so he gets them on the secret. Man, what, yeah. what a bunch of shit. So uh, I, I think it's it's pretty compelling. And, of course, Matt Gates wasn't Matt Gates the guy, Paul, who was blamed for all this uh, commotion, all these troubles in terms of being able to come up with a new Speaker of the House. Come to find out, behind the scenes, McCarthy 
uh, is trying to prevent that from happening, yeah. prevent a new speaker, uh, knifing people in the back because he wants to get the job back himself. Incredible. And I think I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I don't know why anyone would want so badly that job. That seems really stressful and hard. Thanks, guys. After this is the movement to get the U.S. out of the U.N. going mainstream. The John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom, safeguard the Constitution, and restore our God-given rights. We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against a free America. JBS founder Robert Welch said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Join us in restoring this great nation. It looks like more are learning the truth about the United Nations. Earlier this week, Secretary General of the UN, Antonio Guterres, implied that Hamas's terrorist attack on Israel was Israel's fault because of its policy toward the Gaza Strip. Here he is in a speech to the United Nations Security Council on Tuesday. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. The Times of Israel refuted Guterres' callous and ignorant remarks by pointing out that Israel evacuated all settlements and military forces from the Gaza Strip under the 2005 disengagement. And since then, it has faced years of rocket attacks from Hamas, which rules the Strip. Israel has also called Guterres' comments insane and has responded by halting UN staff visas. This just happened. Also, the Israel Foreign Ministry put out a statement saying that Guterres' remarks tarnished both him and the organization he heads. In the U.S., after playing a clip of Guterres' comments, Sean Hannity of Fox News said this. I've said this for some time because of the anti-Americanism, the virulent anti-Semitism. It is time, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, for the U.N. to be evicted from America. They're an anti-American organization. They serve no purpose. They take up valuable real estate in New York City uh, that it doesn't deserve. And we, the taxpayers, you know, we pay the bulk of monies just for the privilege of being hated uh, as well as our closest ally, Israel. And while we're at it, let's cut all ties and funding to all these globalist organizations. The WHO, they covered up for the communist Chinese and COVID. The WEF. They want nothing but worldwide socialism or the idiotic Paris uh, climate accords where we pay the bulk of money and India and China are recognized as developing nations and pay next to nothing. And by the way, while we're at it, let's get rid of every other anti-American globalist organization. When was the last time one of these groups actually made anybody's life better? Probably never. So let's invite the world's brainless, spineless, self-important diplomats. Let them clog the traffic of some other country. I say China. Yesterday, John Burr Society Research Manager Christian Gomez interviewed Congressman Thomas Massey, and one of the topics they discussed was the UN. You know, I've sponsored that every year that I've been in Congress, get the United States out of the UN and get the UN out of the United States. Um, it's, it's outside of our Constitution. And we shouldn't let them 
be telling us what to do, especially on some of the gun, uh, the gun laws that they rules. I don't know what you call them when they come from the UN and they're not U.S. laws. It's nice to hear Israel, Sean Hannity and others recognize the UN for what an anti-American entity that it's always been. But we disagree that the UN transgressions are a result of brainless diplomats, as Hannity said. Yeah, some of them are undoubtedly brainless, but there's much more to it than that. The John Birch Society has warned since its founding in 1958 that the UN and other international organizations, like the ones uh, Hannity has mentioned, were created to destroy U.S. sovereignty and that of other nations, while ultimately working to create a one-world totalitarian government. Let's listen to this decades-old clip of John Birch Society founder Robert Welch talking about the UN. A part of that plan, of course, is to induce the gradual surrender of American sovereignty, piece by piece and step by step, to various international organizations, of which the United Nations is the outstanding, but far from the only example. All right, gentlemen. So I think part of the problem with the John Birch Society has been that we have been so far ahead, <laughs> so far ahead that what we say doesn't necessarily resonate with people because um, now we see everyone realizing, recognizing the danger. He said the WF, the WHO, the United, uh, the United Nations. Uh, what do you make of, of this development, Peter? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been warning about the UN and its uh, the aims to become a one world government for, you know, for decades already. And now finally people like Sean Hannity uh, people like, uh, you know, the leaders of Israel are catching up to that yeah. and finding out. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're completely right. The UN uh, is an organization that we need to get out of. It's, you know, its very purpose from the beginning was uh, the forerunner of a one world government that would take yeah. away our national sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And then also there's the fact that the UN's founding principles that, you know, for example, in the UN Universal Declaration of Human Rights, uh, denies the fact that our rights come from God, and it basically says that rights are created and can be modified and taken away by government, yeah. which is completely antithetical to our nation's founding principles. So right. it's long past time that we get out of the United Nations, and mm. it's good to see other people waking up and realizing that. Yeah, I mean, you're part of the, the research department there, and I know that you guys yesterday, you sent out a legislative alert, which by the way, you, if you haven't signed up, you need to, uh, about using this as a springboard into another reason. This was our first, um, this was our first action project, right, Gary? And for yes. good reason, huh? Yes. These diplomats, like we said, they're not just brainless. What are they, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it depends on, on the diplomat, but uh, the, the thing to keep in mind, uh, is that there really is a conspiracy. And uh, I know that's considered a, a bad word because there are conspiracy Not if theories, we have anything to do there, with it. We're going to change that. There are also conspiracy facts. And from the beginning, the United Nations was set up to become a future world government. Right. And that is becoming increasingly obvious. And, of course, as Robert Welch pointed out in that clip that you showed, Paul, um, that uh, uh, this... Uh, this, uh, this plan yeah, for this one plan, world government uh, at the center is the yeah, UN, right? At the center is the UN, but it also involves other related agencies such as uh, the WHO and uh, uh, you know the entire uh, the UN WEF orbit. The WEF came a little it includes, later. It includes even NATO. Yes. Uh, because uh, that has become the military arm of the UN. Yeah. And regarding that, uh, I just want to quote from a, a document. Uh, this document is called uh, Freedom From War. 
the United States Program for General and Complete Disarmament in a Peaceful World. Huh. And uh, this is a document that was published by the Department of State. It was submitted to the United Nations back in 1961 during the period of the Kennedy administration. Yeah. And it is the U.S. program presented to the U.N. Uh, to is disarm. To, uh, to, uh, for disarmament. And of course, when we talk about disarmament, we're not talking about getting rid of all the weapons. What we're talking about is giving the United Nations a monopoly of power. Now, this document uh, uh, was divided into three stages, mm -hmm. so it would be gradual. But in the third stage, it says this. In stage three, progressive controlled disarmament and continuously developing principles and procedures of international law would proceed to a point where no state would have the military power to challenge the progressively strengthened UN peace force. Mm -hmm. And of course, we can substitute for that today uh, NATO because NATO has become that force. NATO is actually part of the uh, United Nations. Yeah. And Peter, what do, what do you think as far as where has the UN been most successful as far as policy in the United, in, in the United States? Well, they've, they've been influencing our policy in a number of areas. Uh, there have been multiple news reports, for example, that they've been encouraging mass migration to the United States, you know, exacerbating the border crisis at the southern border. Mm -hmm. What about climate, the climate change crisis? Right, that too, the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, some of the other agreements, Kyoto, uh, the Kigali Amendments that the U.S. Senate actually ratified last year. Uh, they've been at the forefront of that. And a lot of the proposals that's, that are swirling around in both in state legislators and Congress, the Biden administration are coming directly from the United Nations. Uh, related to that, the, the, the Biden campaign's Build Back Better slogan uh, regarding- Isn't that plagiarized from, from the UN? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the UN, with the UN Sustainable Development Agenda 2030 initiatives, yeah. uh, the Biden administration and other, and other world leaders as well took that directly from the United Nations. Yeah. And so they're, they're fully on board with uh, yeah. what the UN is doing on climate change, with migration, gun control, and a whole lot of other matters. Yeah. I would point out also with the last few seconds we have is that there, uh, the UN, the representatives for the US when the, uh, during, when the founding of the UN in San Francisco were communists, people like Alger Hiss, right? Who right. turned out to be communists. Thank you, gentlemen. And by the way, go to jbs.org. We have an action project there. Get us out of the UN to, to find out more. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. Enjoy the rest of your day and join us tomorrow when we're going to be looking at the police state.